everybody, and welcome back to Chapter Tactics. Today, we are talking about Thousand Suns, one of the new codexes that's come out, partnered with Grey Knights, but today we're talking about Thousand Suns. I am your host, Magikarp Usefly, also known as Matt, and with me today, we've got John P. Hey, everybody. Well, I'm glad to be here. And we've got our guest here, Jim Vessel. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, boy, dude. Are are you excited to talk about this Dex? I am because I just feel like there's a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, and also I can vent about my things that I'm not happy about. So I w- always an opportunity to get my get my feelings out the, on the internet. I never do that ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the internet's made for venting. It truly is. <laughs> just scream into the void. Uh, yeah. Jumpy, have you had time to uh, look over this uh, codex? Because I've been reading it like crazy since uh, like two weeks ago from when the leaks first came out. Yeah, I've been looking at it like at a very like high level. So I, I kind of like I know what some stuffs are, but I um, I have some stratagems that I think are neat. But uh, nothing in terms of like deep dive combos or anything like that. That's what uh, I'm leaning on you guys for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We there, there, There's some cool stuff in here. Um, Jim? I think that I think that Jim, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking that uh, you're going to be just playing just Thousand Suns and that's it as like a mono faction for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, so we're actually uh, I started a uh, BC, so I'm in British Columbia, so BC 40k league uh, about ten weeks ago, just as COVID was, just as our restrictions were starting to lift, and mm-hmm. one of the rules was you had to stick to one faction, and so in the hopes that Thousand Suns would be out before the end of the league. I chose Thousand Suns as my faction. Of course, it's now the final week of the league this week, and yeah. I'm just going to get one game in with my Thousand Suns. <laughs> but uh, I have about uh, two local events coming up in the next uh, six to eight weeks, so I'm going to play those guys um, in those events. And, you know, I want to give this book a really good shake. With that said, I mean, I am a Chaos Jank Master. Uh, not quite as janky as Mark Perry, but I will probably play, try some uh, soup lists as well. But for the most part right now, I really want to kind of dig deep into the Cabal points, which is essentially the unique army mechanic um, for Pure Thousand Suns. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of play there. Um, and I think there's enough now in this book to make it viable independently, whereas before I didn't really feel that way. Yeah, because before it was more of like a soup army Definitely. more than anything. You would like soup Magnus in and then like that that was pretty much it. Maybe yeah. Armin. Throw in the Armin just to get that warp time, which um, you can't do anymore, yeah. sadly. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> Uh, but well, there's still some other cool stuff that you can do inside the decks now. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, usually we do a did you know where it's a fun fact, um, and we do like a roundtable of what's happened. But we have so much to talk about with this codex that I think that we could just skip that and go straight into uh, just talking about this codex. We'll start off with a roundtable of what everyone thinks about the codex first, and then we'll dive even deeper into the codex. Uh, so, but first. This show is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get amazing game mats for not just your 40K games, but almost any tabletop game out there. Purchase miniatures at a discount and join some of the largest 40K events in the industry. They also have the largest 40K podcast network in the business with shows like Signals from the Frontline, Chapter Tactics, which you're listening to right now, 40K Game Changers, 40K Stat Center, and Grim After Dark. Plus, there's so much more so that's frontlinegaming.org or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast on all the social media goodies plus tickets for the socal open are out uh 
over here at the Dice Check Studio. All of us are going to be heading over to the SoCal Open, so if you want to go and uh, come talk to us or uh, just play just a bunch of 40K over the course of like three days, go check it out. Go get your tickets and join up. It's going to be a great time. Now, with all of the upkeep out of the way, this is the fastest time that we've ever gotten to the main topic for yeah. <laughs> for this. <Heck> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little <laughs> bit strange, but I just want to get straight up into this. Uh, let's start off with a roundtable. John P., you want to go first on what you think about the codex so far? Yeah, uh, this is not a simple man's codex. There's a there's a lot of complexity to this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're not. I, I wouldn't say it's not. I wouldn't say it's beginner friendly at all. It's kind of a just looking at it like straight up. Um, it you wouldn't think it was very good, but there's just like a lot of like you need to deep dive into it and like figure out all the combos and stuff to really unlock the codex. That's that's uh, what I think of it so far. Yeah, yeah. Do do you agree with that, Jim? Like in the sense of you need to layer a lot of stuff in order to get to where you need. It's not you just open up a a, a data sheet and then you're just like, oh, Dark Lance. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So like the data sheets didn't change a ton uh, outside of the Demon Engines. For the most part, they either actually got worse or uh, uh change say the same. So the strength of this book is not really in the data sheets um, mm-hmm. and the strength I think is really in the is the layering of psychic abilities, stratagems, cabal points, and uh, the legion abilities. Uh, how all those things kind of interplay, I think, is where you're gonna find the kind of strength of this book. Um, if you're looking for it in the data sheets, which some have improved, some have gotten worse, and we'll yeah. talk. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But that's not where it is. And you know, overall, I I'm happy with the book. It's I think it's much better than the eighth edition book, which felt very phoned in. Um, but uh, you know, and I think it will be competitive. Um, I, I'm sure there'll be certain matchups where it's going to be not good against, uh, and then there's going to be certain matchups where the army is just going to run amok and be unstoppable. So it'll be interesting to see, um, I guess, how people play these things, uh, the army. And I think there's actually a lot of different builds, uh, which I which I think is really interesting. Um, and I'm sure we'll get you know two or three really good builds out of this book. Oh yeah, most definitely. And I think that that's kind of like what you were saying, right, John P. Where it's not a beginner-friendly book in the sense that most books, you look at it, you look at the data sheets, you look at uh, the way that the army plays, and, you know, like Space Marines, right? You know, yeah. you, you, you look at it, and you can kind of understand how it plays at face value. Exactly. But this one, it's a lot of, you have to really prep stuff and understand what psychic powers you need to do, what stratagems you need to do, and it's just, it's more complicated, but it still packs a pretty big punch. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You- Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say as like an overview for the book so far? Uh, I, I'm excited to see what people are going to be able to do with this because, like we mentioned, there's a lot of layering, so there's a lot of different paths that you can take with this, and like there's so many different cults, so many different spells, mm-hmm. um, a lot of neat stratagems. So yeah, let's hop in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, do you want to add anything else onto the overview of the codex before we dive more into it? No, I think I think I covered everything. Um, there's definitely some weak points, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Um, there's things yeah. that are very disappointing about this book uh, that I think are missed opportunities, I guess. Um, but overall, you know, I think that you know when I, I look at a book like Admac and Drakari, it feels like everything is good and everything has a role. There's there's yeah. there's certain things in this book where it just feels like it's a waste of printing paper because no one's ever going to use them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but like. Yeah. It, it's like one of those things where if you compare every single book to something like Admech and Drakari, that's already like obviously super overpowered or like super overtuned, then 
every book is not going to be at the same playing level. You want things to be a little bit below it, uh, just so yeah. then that means that things are more balanced, correct? Yeah, and I, and I feel like them not being at Admech Jakari level is a good thing, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> it's we, actually healthy. Yeah, it's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that's our general idea. My, my, my roundtable part of it, uh, I think that the book is good. Uh, I think that there's a lot of stuff that you can do with it. I'm very sad that Magnus isn't as good as he once was. I think that he's a lot less tanky than what he once was. When it comes to, like, big monsters that have wings, right? You know, you're looking at your Mortarian, your Bellicor, and then your Magnus. And, like, even, like, a Lord of Change, Magnus is, like, the least tanky out of all of them, which is really, really sad. Uh, but still a lot of cool stuff in here. And I think that the best way to go over this is to just kind of like talk about the stuff that um, uh, we think is strong. And we can start off with the different cults on what cults we think that people are going to be using a lot of. Jim, do you want to go first on which cults you think are uh, you'll be using? Yeah, and I think, you know, this is kind of the do, I guess, very Thousand Suns-like, the, just the strength of the cults, which is the, 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 the duality of this book, which is, some things that are really good and some things that are really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and cultists would be a really good example. So um, I feel like there's some very obvious winners here and there's yeah. some very obvious losers. Um, and it's just, it's it's so obvious that it's like, and, and the power difference is so big that I just don't see a time where people are going to use some of the cults. So for me, the, the kind of the top three winners as far as the cults mm-hmm. are duplicity Yep. change and scheming those are kind of, and time sorry those are kind of sorry duplicity scheming and time those are for me my top three cults mm-hmm. um time has some really good jank with bringing back models i think that's going to be really powerful oh yeah scheming uh, scheming has the ability to um fall back and shoot which is super super strong plus giving obsec to basically the entire army mm-hmm. yep. and then duplicity obviously still has the tricks it has from eighth edition which is being able to forward deploy being able to redeploy, and then being able to teleport units across the table, which is incredibly strong in this edition. All the other cults, uh, I'd say for the most part, you're probably not going to see a ton. Um, There uh, might be a cult of magic, which was kind of one of the powerhouses in the past, might see a bit of play, but for the most part, it just, yeah, the disappointment is that, you know, you have nine cults, and three, three and a half of them are good, and even that, in that case, they're not, you know, they're not as good as like a Lucius or a Cult of Strife, right? Like yeah. they're they're good, but they're not bringing in, they're not changing really a ton of the way that you play. They're just giving you a little bit of tricks. Um, yeah. So I would have liked to see more, I guess, effort put in into the cults. Uh, maybe even a stratagem, a cult specific stratagem would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the relics overall are, I'd say, in the cult from the cult part is generally garbage. Um, there's maybe yeah, one or two relics, like but the, the CP, yeah, that, the that's CP kind of my, my, my kind of like initial pass on the, on the, from, from yeah. a cult's perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, uh, me and John P were going over some of the cults earlier, just like talking about them. Um, I, I actually like cult of magic. If you're taking something like Magnus, if like, mm-hmm. that's something that you want to do. Um, I think that that's the only thing that really he benefits from compared to all the other cults. But besides that, I agree that duplicity and time is probably the best with scheming being like, um, probably like a, 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 a niche pick, I guess, um, because some of these cults are pretty. I'm just gonna say it; they're pretty garbage. <laughs> like, like cult of mutations, pretty bad. What, uh, what, what was the other one that we were talking about that was pretty bad? The, um, uh, I think it might have been prophecy. Uh, but regardless, you're you're probably gonna stick with duplicity. Um, yeah, and and, and time. 
And keep in mind, and I just want, I want to triple check this before I correct you, but I'm pretty sure named characters don't get any sort of cult benefits. So they don't have the right keywords. They have to have a great cult uh, bracket in their keywords. So neither Magnus or Aramin get any of the bonuses from the cults, what, what, which what, is really unfortunate. Wouldn't Magnus still get uh, the psychic power for Astral Blast? Uh, no, because he has to have oh, because he has, uh, to, he has have to have keyword Thousand five. Suns Great Cult Psyker. Uh, ah, because he doesn't oh. have the Great Cult, like essentially, um, like he doesn't have the uh, he doesn't have that Great Cult. Um, don't yeah, he doesn't have the keyword, which is like um, a Great Cult, which yeah, where yeah. you plug that in. Yeah. So yeah. he doesn't actually get anything from the cults, which is really unfortunate. Man, which makes sucks. no sense if you ask me. He should actually have access to all the nine cult powers. Yeah, yeah right. Me. Yeah, I mean, he gets access to all the disciplines. Uh, which is, I guess, cool, but not having access to also the different cults, like, that makes his mortal wound output not as strong anymore. Yeah, and, and like, um, you know, in the lore, uh, Araman is actually traditionally part of the cult of prophecy, mm -hmm. so if you if you read the books, he's actually part of the cult of prophecy, so it doesn't make sense to me. Typhus got a uh, Harbringer, um, and in Death Guard, he got part of the Harbringer, um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, Death Legion or whatever. So, Plague Company. So, it didn't make sense to me that Armin wouldn't at least be uh, belong to his cult, mm -hmm. but then have a similar rule to um, Typhus where he could be put into like uh, any other cult yeah. without breaking the rules. Um, I thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. But at least, you know, Armin used to just be Magnus's towel boy. Now he's like his own. He's his own man now. Yeah, like he can just do whatever he wants. Independent. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, uh, one thing that we did skip over is the Legion commands, because um, I think that these are kind of interesting, um, especially with uh, something like the Exalted Sorcerer giving it an extra cast, I think is pretty cool. Um, only 25 points. I think that that's fine. I think that a lot of the times that when you're building your list, you're probably going to be spending about, like, maybe 100 points or, like, Anywhere from eighty to one hundred points and just upgrades on uh, on just some of this stuff. Um, what, what's your what are your guys' opinions on some of these legion commands? Mo most of them are garbage. Uh, so I think there's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay, I, mean, I was I was just gonna mention like the I don't know how to pronounce it, rights of coalescence, the one where you get to uh, heal. Uh, be pretty useful, especially with the terminator. Um, I also am a fan of the ardent automata where you can shoot and perform an action. Um, I don't know if performing an action is going to be really vital for this army or not but i mean i'm a i'm a big fan of stuff like that yeah no what about you jim yeah so i think there's uh some strength here and um the ones that really stand out to me is dilettante which allows you to give a model an extra relic mm -hmm. uh and, and i'll come back to that in a sec um the other ones that are i think really strong is loyal thrall where you can attempt to um do a psychic action and do and a do psychic, a psychic power. power. Yep. Um, this is actually quite strong because one of the things that I think is going to make Thousand Suns much better is the new secondaries in this book. Mm -hmm. um, the secondaries themselves, I think, easily are going to increase the win rate of this book just on their own because they are so good. And so being able to do psychic actions, which many of the secondaries are, and cast spells, I think is going to be very strong. Um, the other one I like is what you mentioned, the rights of coalescence. And... Why I like this specifically is because with Cult of Time, um, basically, uh, and there's there's two spells. Uh, so there's a Warped Regeneration, um, yeah. which is a stratagem. And basically, mm -hmm. this means that anytime you roll an unmodified Psychic Test of 9 or more, um, you either heal a model up to D3 wounds. Otherwise, you return a model yeah. with full wounds. Now, because the the Rites of Coalescence... Um, Let's it heal it. Then. Regains their wounds in the command phase. Yeah. It means you'll whenever you use this stratagem, you'll never have a model with damage on it, which you always means whenever you use that stratagem, you always get a full model back. Yeah, and where I'm gonna be using this is with cult of time. 
to mm -hmm. combo on my Terminator block to get up to two models back a turn. Yeah, and I'll talk to you guys later about how to basically guarantee that to go off every turn. Yeah, yeah about we, nine plus. We, we can um, so I think that's that really now. strong as well. We, we, uh, and then the last one I like is the Ardent Autonoma, which again allows you to um, perform a regular action and shoot. So anything that allows me to perform actions and still do other things, I think is actually quite strong, given that secondaries are such a big part of the game. And the game has really turned into like an action economy. And um, we have so few units, we don't have a lot of things to run around to like have like, you know, I mean, Xanagors obviously can do it, but you're not going to, you're not going to have a ton of extra things that you just want to waste on actions, especially rubric squads where you want them casting or, or shooting. So having these abilities to both do actions and do other things, I think is really good. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And then being able to res two termies off of what the, uh, the nine up, um, stratagem i forgot what the stratagem is called warped warped regeneration, uh, warped, warped regeneration which i was yeah. just talking about yeah and then you could just keep casting something like smite and then just exactly. get it up to a nine and then just auto cast it with a cabal point and then just res two termies it's pretty yeah. good yeah. Um, that's really good yeah, yeah like those termies are gonna be hard to shift to begin with mm -hmm. being able to bring two back a turn and heal one as well so it's like uh that's gonna make that unit really sticky yeah yeah that's why i feel like to the last might be a really good secondary to take in addition uh to any secondaries from this book um for k-suns just because the termies are going to be so hard to shift off the board with their minus one damage strat uh plus healing and then also resing two units or two models at the same time yep um gonna be pretty good and then they also yeah. have a lot of firepower that they can do with like three cp um, but we can talk about that. Um, I get we, we can talk about it now because we can just start start talking about some of the stratagems here. Uh, yeah, some of these stratagems are good. I think that the biggest ones that I really like, obviously, is going to be warped regeneration for the plus two uh, termies. Um, I also like infernal fusillade with wrath of the wronged, uh, just because you can get a termi blob to get like 50, 50 shots with infernal bolt pistols. Um, if you're going to take like while we stand, just you know taking. Or yeah, if you're if you're taking like a ten man blob, you don't have to use yeah. things like warp flamers or anything. Just give them their infer their infer uh, infernal bolters, and then all of a sudden you got fifty shots. You can have them hit on twos, and then they wound everything with essentially plus two to wound, which is pretty right. nasty. Well, plus two. I think you only get plus one, I believe. So. Well, well, it's plus two because you get plus one to your strength with. Oh right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Plus one to wound, yeah. So then you would wound um, things like, like T eight on fours. Yeah, I mean, um, I think my favorites, uh, there's a few. So I think in Social Diffusion, giving uh, one of your vehicles an additional AP is actually really, really good, mm -hmm. um, especially comboing that with a Vulcan yep. uh, or, oh, yeah. say, for instance, uh, you know, a Forge Fiend, which have uh, greatly improved, or any of the, like, you know, anything that's, like, AP2. Right now, like, uh, the, there's a lot of ignore AP1 and 2 out there. Yeah. Um, so having something that can break into that AP3 when needed is actually really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Um and then the other one that I love is Inescapable Forewarning, which is basically a 18-inch aspect scan. Um, oh, yeah. And the cool yeah. thing is, is um, in order to activate it, you have to have an, uh, a kind of start a psyker within um, six. Uh, sorry, within six inches of a core unit. Now, all of your rubric squads and your terminators will already have that built in, so yeah. they don't need anyone extra because they actually give themselves that. Um, but you can also use this on, for instance, like a Vol Volkite Contemptor. So you could have a Volkite Contemptor Overwatch because it's core. Yeah. So it's Thousand Suns core. So that can really catch people off guard when they drop something within 18 inches of your Vol Volkite Contemptor. And then you blast it off with, um, you know, a, 
like out of phase. I think that's really strong. So I think a lot of people oh, will be yeah. caught off guard there. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, anything that can, it, it's just aspect scan. Yeah, but, but bigger. But, yeah, but bigger and like better because it's not just uh, you know infantry. Know. It's yeah. core, yeah. which which it opens up to a lot of things. Um, and the eighteen mm-hmm. inches actually means that it gives you a lot more of like you can almost block out eighteen inches because like if you have a ten man unit of terminators, mm-hmm. no one's gonna want to drop anything within. 18 inches of oh, it yeah, because yeah, exactly. you're just going to blow it, blow it off the table. Yeah. Yeah. You're with like a full shooting face. You're like trying to bait them into deep striking layer essentially. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you're not really baiting them. It's more like you're making it so then they don't want to. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's either like they have to take the, the, the overwatch or the shooting or they're just like, nah, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> so that means like things like eradicators, anything with like, uh, within half range, just you can't get within that range. Yeah. So makes it good. Uh, what about you, John P? What stratagems are you enjoying? Uh, I was I was a fan of like the unwavering phalanx combo where you could bring something down from damage two to damage one, which would activate your all's dust. Yeah, so you get plus one your save. Um, that one's pretty neat. Um, it's pretty th- good. Three <laughs> three CP is uh, a lot to spend though if you go more than five. Oh yeah. Um, that one's pretty neat. Uh, I also was a fan of um, implacable guardians. If uh, oh that's the one where you have a character if you have terminators or rookies uh, within three inches of it, they, uh, they essentially get like the bodyguard rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could maybe place the demon prince or something on an objective and then have some um, some bodyguards behind some obscuring terrain so that it can't be shot at. Yeah. Well, I think that actually a demon prince, uh, because it says Arcana Astartes character, so ah. I don't think that a demon prince is an Arcana Astartes. Uh, it should, should have the keywords. Um, I'm pretty sure, unless I... Cause yeah, it does have the keywords. Yeah, oh, it does. does. So, yeah. It has Arcana yep. Astartes? Yeah. All right, then. Yeah. Yep, there you go. So <laughs> you can have your smashy uh, Demon Prince be up in their grill and yep. then just pop this for one CP, make him unhit, you know, unhittable, yeah. and then also use Perplex, and then, like, it, it, it's ma- it makes it harder for people to choose what they're going to be shooting at, which is nice. Um, okay. And then what are, are there any other stratagems that you enjoy here, Jim? Yeah, I think – so there's just two more I really want to call out. Um mm-hmm. For instance, uh, Psychic Dominion is allows you to have uh, basically a 3d6 deny. Um, so when you're playing other Psychic armies, uh, I think that's quite strong. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, the other one I really like is the Malefic Scroll, just so it makes your smites a flat three. Um, yes, And yes. then one thing that we haven't really talked about, uh, which I think is not going to be used in every game, but is Schemes of Change, which essentially allows you to change your secondaries after they've been revealed. Um, oh, and that's one CP, and it's a before-the-game stratagem, which means you can actually use it all three times and change all of your strat- um, secondaries. Now, if you're in a position where you have to change all three of your secondaries, you probably lost the game already. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. You're probably that bad. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it can definitely help you um, throw your opponent off. Like, say you're taking, um, you know, say say they took something, like, a to the last, mm-hmm. and you know, and maybe you took something like bring it down, and you know they're just going to hide their three big vehicles. Um, that you know that are there to the last targets. Well, then mm-hmm. then you can maybe switch out of that to something a little bit more like defensive or aggressive, uh, mm-hmm. just depending on that. So I think that's just really strong. Um, and then lastly, uh, obviously with the Infernal Master, which is one of the new units, being able to automatically cast uh, um, pact. like uh, the Pact is really nice. And the thing yeah. is, he he can he can do it on himself. So because he is Thousand Suns Infantry. Um, and he has he has friendly thousand suns infantry, so he doesn't actually even need to be within six inches of anything. He can just basically stab himself and and automatically cast his pack, which is really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. And then <laughs> and then heal himself with like uh, temporal manipulation, for instance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's really interesting about the um, what it, what it, what what's it called? Uh, schemes of change, because even John P and I were like talking about it. We I feel like that 
to use this stratagem, it's like in a very, very specific uh, like matchup, like what you were saying, uh, you know, when you want to change to something being more aggressive. I feel like most of the time, you know, you're probably just going to roll up to the board with the with the secondaries that you know you're going to take regardless of whatever army you're going up against. But it's it's a nice thing to have in your pocket to have like every once in a while. Yeah, some flexibility never hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what what about some stratagems that you guys think are bad? Well, r- rest in peace. Um, like Veterans of the Long War, we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. it's gone up to TCP. Yeah, only works on infantry, uh, which which sucks. Um, I'm I'm sad that we lost our fight twice from uh, from the Zangors and got replaced with a reroll to hit that that was uh, which is um, Inhuman Savagery. Uh, yeah. Just the lack of Zangor stratagems in here just really, it's really sad. It, it's something that we'll talk about later as far as like my overall things that I think are, are really missed opportunities with this book. But um, the lack of like synergy with the Zangor and I know a lot of like Thousand Suns players on like Thousand Suns Reddit or just they're like oh we don't codex Zangors. I actually disagree. Like, they're like, oh, no, Thousand Sons players want Zangords in the army. I'm like, no, I disagree. I think that's actually a really cool part of the army and that mm-hmm. it creates a uh, a mixed force of, you know, very elite rubrics and Zangors is actually where I imagine Thousand Sons to be, mm-hmm. not just this, like, 20-man model army. Um, and the lack of synergy with Zangors overall in this book, given that this army has so few data sheets, means that like two of the very unique data sheets, which are the Enlightened and the Shaman and the regular Zangors, those are kind of 3,000 sons unique data sheets. Some of the very few unique units that it even has. And the fact that we got so they got nerfed and we have so little to actually make those data sheets viable means you're really pigeonholed into just like rubrics, scarab occults, and the characters, and then just mm-hmm. regular Chaos Space Marine stuff, which kind of feels kind of bad. Like we, we already suffer from lack of data sheets. And yeah. uh, it would have been nice if all of the Thousand Sun specific ones had a lot more synergy in play. Um, so it felt so I'm not just stuck taking a bunch of Chaos Space Marine units. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like from the the only thing that when I look at Zangors, I just look at them as like really cheap action monkeys because they're only 70 points. Uh, so like that that's really only it. Um, but we'll we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. We still we still have more to go through. Uh, John P, do you have any stratagems that you want to talk about that are like that you don't like or wish were better? Uh, I'm like iffy on like Risen Rubicae, the one where you can forward deploy your Rubic Marines. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, forward deploying is pretty very good in ninth, but it's it's two CP. And yeah, it's just like one unit of Rubic Marines that you're forward deploying for two CP, which is kind of brutal. And you can only use it once. Uh, yeah, uh, regardless of like the the battle size you're playing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've seen people that like using Risen Rubicae with like ten rubric marines with warp flamers but for the points cost for that to do that and then also the cp on top of it i don't think is worth it yeah <laughs> for yeah. for for like for one damage weapons yeah i i just feel like it's not very worth it even if you do get like 96 warp flamers yes so this is a this is stratagem is really only good in cult to duplicity which gives mm-hmm. you the option to redeploy that rubric unit if yeah. you don't go first yeah. I think the problem with this and the thing that I, you know, a lot of people love duplicity and I think the the teleport of duplicity is actually the strongest part. The the forward deploy and uh, redeploy, I think are a bit of a trap because mm-hmm. it it kind of pushes Thousand Suns players to play a bit more aggressive than I think they want to. Yeah. You actually want to play a much more paced game in the midboard uh, and, and really kind of play the game at a slower pace because remember most of your damage is between 18 and 24 inches right so mm-hmm. throwing up a unit of rubrics to just get slaughtered early even uh like and or investing a bunch of resources to try that trick and then going second and having to basically pull that losing those two cp spending those two cp for nothing spending yeah. that warlord trait for nothing 
it, it kind of it's a it's a big feel bad. It's a bit r- big risk. And so sure, when it works, it's cool and it's fun. But when it doesn't work, it, it's a lot of lost resources. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing at a very high level, you want consistency in the way that your army operates. You don't want these kind exactly. of like um, these kind of matches where it's like all our, it's like oh if I go first I win and if I go second I lose. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, yeah. I, I I for one think duplicity is good as far as the spell. But I think the Risen Rubricade redeploy trick is a bit of a trap. Oh yeah. And you just be careful. Be careful that you're not like relying on that to like win you games, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. definitely. Exactly. Okay. So uh yeah, so that those are the stratagems. Um we we, we gotta keep going because there's just so much that we, we, we need to talk about here. Uh these warlord traits. Uh what are your guys' opinions on these warlord traits? Uh we can start I mean, with you, Jim. R- Go ahead. Oh, oh, uh, um, some of them are okay. Uh, if you're taking Magnus, you know, obviously you don't get, you, you, uh, he gets three of them. Uh, the minus one damage is like, okay. Uh, he can get two, he can use two, uh, Cabal rituals. Um, and then he knows all of his psychic powers from, you know, all of his disciplines. Um, I think that the, the ones that I really like are the three up invuln one for a turn, which is really good. You could put that on something like a demon prince and then just have him have a three up invuln at any point when you need to. Uh, I also like Aether Stride, just three inches to the move, gets to fall back and charge. Yeah, and you pretty fly. Good. And you fly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, those are pretty good. What are you guys on any of the warlord traits? Uh, I can go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, go sorry. Ahead. sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, the one I really liked was Aether Stride, just getting that three extra inches of movement and um, your matter mentioned it, falling back, charging and flying. Um, it's a neat way to get like wings on your Demon Prince if you don't want to pay the points for wings. Mm-hmm. Um, throw up Invuln also pretty neat. Um, and then the, the was it Arrogance of Aeons is the uh, ritual one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like this is just off of just the regular Warlord traits. We're not even talking about the Cult Warlord traits, which yeah. are pretty which are pretty good. You know, like something like uh, what immaterial echo. That's the one where it's undeniable on a um, on a nine up. The next thing that you cast is undeniable, uh, which it, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. What about you, Jim? Yeah. So I think the com- the combos I really like uh, Aether Stride to make like a budget flying demon prince. Mm-hmm. So um, thirty five points for the wings or one CP for essentially one less movement and all the same abilities. I think that's nice. Uh, I do like Undying Form, minus one damage combined yep. with the... Uh, we haven't gotten to the relics yet, but uh, the Conniving Flight, that's going to get on a Demon Prince. That also makes him quite tanky. Mm-hmm. Um, makes him kind of hard to kill. So so if you're doing like a combat Demon Prince, I like that. Um, I do actually really like, um, like s- some of the other ones, um, especially when comboed with... Um, I guess we'll talk about relics next, but uh, the Chronos Tutorum, which is essentially a relic that lets you pick an ex- additional Warlord trait. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think having an additional warlord trait, there's enough here that it's, it's flex. Mm-hmm. Um, Seeker after shadows. So I'm gonna be running probably a Zangor shaman. Uh, he'll be kind of like an action monkey. So uh, having Seeker after shadows on him so that he can basically roll three d six on his um, psychic actions is really nice. And then you can obviously combo that with abilities that let him cast and cast use actions or yeah. uh, etc. So I think that's really nice as well. Yeah, and then also you can generate one additional cabal point, which is always nice. Um, because yeah. the, the amount of cabal points that you can get in this army is insane. There's there's so much that you can rack up. Uh, you're like looking at like on an average like 20 cabal points, yeah. uh, which is crazy because there's so much that you could do with them. Uh, the the uh, we have the litanies here. Um, 
looking over these litanies, I, I think I only like the plus one strength one and then being able to re-roll a dice uh, later on in the turn. Uh, th- those are the only two that I would take in terms of uh, giving him a relic to have him cast uh, uh, two packs. And that's pretty much it. Those, those are the only ones that I care about. What about you guys? So the, the relic actually only lets him uh, have an additional pack. It doesn't let him cast an additional pack. There's no way to actually cast two packs, which is really unfortunate. Oh, I thought that it also let him cast two because he's... Oh, yeah, because it doesn't say that he can only cast one. It just says that he can cast a pack. So I thought that maybe he could cast two, but you're right. You yeah, I'm one. pretty sure, because he comes with two packs to begin with, right? So um, for me, I agree. I think Glimpse of Eternity, the fact that you can have any sort of dice rerolled is actually really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, Malefic Maelstrom is good. The only other one that I really like, I think, um, is the Caper of Inks, I think, in certain matchups could be good. Um, being able to take away Overwatch or cover from a unit, um, you know, like, say, you're playing Admech or an, an army that has a lot of cover. Yeah. Uh, I think that's quite strong. Um, the other ones, again, are very situational, but for me, Glimpse of Eternity and Malefic Maelstrom are my two picks almost every game. Yeah. Uh, th- I wish there was a way to switch out a pack mid-game, or... Um, but unfortunately, there isn't. Yeah, so. so then he can flex it. Yeah, I thought that he only had one. I thought that he only knew one packed. Huh. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, then there's no point taking the relic where you need an extra <laughs> pack when you're only going to take two. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the plus one strength is what's really good just because you can get um, extra strength on, obviously, on any of your ranged weapons. It's what's going to make uh, termies get plus two to their wound, basically. So uh, that's that's the only reason why I like it. Um yeah, let's go over relics because yeah. there's a lot. There's there's a lot of relics here. Uh, we we can start off with uh, Jim. What relics do you enjoy the most? So uh, I mean, I'll just quickly say it. Most ninety, all the weapons are basically garbage except the mm-hmm. uh, the force stave, the incendium. Um, I actually like that on a if you're gonna build a flamer bomb, uh, give that to your aspiring sorcerer with the stratagem. So there's a stratagem that allows you to give. Uh, an aspiring or scarab cult sorcerer a relic. Now this is a good one for him because um, he de- he doesn't get a regular uh, flamer, so he just has an inferno um, uh, inferno pistol. Sorry, um, which uh, sorry, in, uh, a warp flame pistol, yeah, which is strength three. Mm-hmm. So by giving him this relic instead of having say on a ten man ninety six strength four, you have one ninety six strength four and then one d six strength five. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that as part of that flamer bomb. But other than that, all the weapons are garbage. I just want to be straight up with that. Yeah. There are some really, really nice ones though. Uh, Athenian scrolls, I think, is basically a must-take every game. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so many stratagems that that key off certain casts, whether it's a nine plus or um, uh, other things. So I think having Athenian scrolls is really, really strong. Um, the ability to uh, the uh, thinner rigory, whatever I know how to say. Yeah. It. yeah no. It's like a thousand. It's a thousand constants. I think that comboed with Aether Stride is really good because it allows you to um, fall back, advance, and cast, mm-hmm. and charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can consolidate up to six inches uh, in any direction, which is good. Now, if you're really sneaky, um, to the, a really nice build uh, for like an Exalted is to take a Cult of Prophecy Exalted on a disc, mm-hmm. give him the Guided by Whispered Warlord trait, which lets him, anytime he's charged, make a normal move up to six. Uh, give him the Warp Weave Mantle, which means he can't be charged unless you roll a nine plus uh, mm-hmm. unmodified, and then give him uh, the ability to, um, yeah. So those two combined, uh, and this other one, 
essentially allows you to basically have a super mobile model that basically can't be charged unless they roll a natural seven or eight on dice. Because in any other scenario, he can either move away six inches. If you're really smart, you keep him near some high terrain and you just fly him up top to the train and then they fail their charge. Um, so he's actually really, really hard to charge. And then obviously you can, you can bodyguard him as well. So you have this kind of unchargeable, unshootable character that you have out there. Um, and it just is just a huge, huge pain in the ass for your opponent that can kind of advance, charge, fall back, run around, just be just super annoying. Um, yeah. So I think that's actually like a really nice relic as well. Yeah, the, the, that that combo is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it sounds it sounds pretty irritating. That, and then also it could just you know keep just casting Doombolt, casting like all these uh, psychic powers to just dish out mortal wounds, and it's just it's disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and then obviously Dark Matter Crystal making return is great. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a must take in every every list as well, just because of the fact that we are if you're not playing Cult of Time, your army is quite slow. So mm -hmm. in any non Cult of sorry not Cult of Duplicity list, I think you have to take the the Crystal pulls models out of deep out of combat so that they can still shoot, uh, mm -hmm. move things around late game. Uh, so I just think that's it's just a game winning relic I think, mm -hmm. um, which probably makes it. And then my favorite one actually is the Chronos Tutorum. Um, yeah, yeah. So that those are kind of my, I think I got all the good ones. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, no. It's all it's all good. There's there's also yeah. some other cool ones. Um, but yeah, the Chronosatorum. That's the one where uh, you get the uh, two warlord traits, right? Yeah, and yeah. the nice thing about this is it's not like you only get that warlord trait that phase. You just get it for the rest of the game. Yeah. So yep. at the start of the game, you can decide to use it and say you get an extra spell if you're playing certain opponents, or say you're playing an opponent and you want to. Uh, spec in, like you know that you think you're going to be in combat. You save it for the three plus plus, or you know there's there's other ways to use it. Um, you can also also give your faction your cult warlord trait if you need to, because um, it, it, it's allowed to take that as well. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I just want to reiterate like some of these weapons here are pretty bad. I, like the the Scalox, what, what how do you pronounce Scalox Talon? What is it? <laughs> this thing this thing is so yeah. bad. It's just strength strength times two zero AP. 2d3. I don't know what you're going to yeah. hit with this in order to like get value. It makes no sense at all. No. It, it's pretty bad. It, the tal Talon is in its name and it has zero AP. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's a really dull Talon. That's what it is. Yeah. It needs um, to be sharpened. Yeah. I do like Eagle Gens. Or, dude, some of these, I, I don't know how to pronounce most of these names. Uh, Eagle Gens Orrery. That's the yeah. ignore uh, hit rolls. Uh, ignore any modifiers, then also ignore anything that reduces damage. So, if you shoot at anything like uh, a dreadnought, yeah, they death, don't get duty eternal. Death guard, <laughs> yeah, death guard. Uh, that's pretty cool, and it's just a, uh, it's an aura. So, pretty cool. I like that one. Yeah, the one thing that I I don't love about this one relic, mm -hmm. and I think it's is that you have to select, um, the the enemy unit has to be selected mm -hmm. at the start of the command phase, not. It's not like the aura activates at the start of the command phase and then you get it for the shooting phase. You actually have to select the unit that's visible in the command phase. So like turn yeah. one, if you're, say, hiding your character uh, and you want to move him to get like an angle on something, um, you can't, you won't be able yeah, to. So that's the one to. downside of this is that you have to be smart about where you're positioning mm -hmm. uh, kind of on the previous turn. Um, and on the, on the nice part, though, it, it is unlimited range. So anything on the table that you can see. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. Um, I also like paradoxical chatterfowl. Who <laughs> came up with this name? But <laughs> it's just, uh, um, you know, you have your character that can heroically intervene into something, and then just uh, reduce the weapon skill and ballistic skill by D three. So uh, you have your already your minus one to hit, right? But then you can also reduce it by another D three. 
because it doesn't reduce it by uh, adding extra modifiers onto it. Right. It just reduces the characteristic. Yeah. So exactly. That that's actually pretty. That, that's pretty powerful for melee combat. Yeah, I think the one thing that hurts is infantry only. Like this would have been super cool to play on like a demon prince. Oh yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think you're only stuck with like arm and what or whatever else can well, be put on. Well, yeah. You, I, I'm pretty sure that you're probably going to want to put them on discs anyways. Yeah. Um, and then if you put them on discs, then they lose infantry. So right. he, oh, they the cavalry. Be, yeah, they wouldn't get it anymore. Um, but if you just have like a slow moving <laughs> sorcerer just like moving around the board, eh, eh. you so, can you can make like a pretty beefy exalted sorcerer on foot with mm-hmm. uh, with like the, the legion command giving him plus one wounds and attacks. Plus you can give him a I think there's a uh, like you know maybe give him aether stride so he's running around. So he, technically mm-hmm. he's on foot, but he's kind of flying. Yeah, um, so he was moving, moving nine really inches, fast. so that might be not actually too bad. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is definitely not like an, it's definitely situational. Mm-hmm. It it just makes it makes your tanky stuff a little bit more tanky. That's yeah. all it is, uh, which is cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, those are all the relics. Are there any other relics that you guys want to talk about before we go into the into their discipline? Well, sadly, uh, the best relic in this entire book is uh, the, the crusade relic. Uh, Oh, they have a, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I know they know how to make good weapons because there's there's one in the crusade that mm-hmm. is basically a force stave that is times two AP two flat three damage and I'm like that's amazing why yeah, can't we right? have that yeah. like that's what a proper a proper relic weapon should look like and it's also got a shooting profile I'm like that is a really great relic weapon that I would expect to see in a lot of other books because you know you look at Dark Eldar with like the Jin blades AP three three damage like. Mm-hmm plus strength i'm like why can't we have something cool like yeah. this i, I don't um think, are, is there anything in this codex where it's going to be three damage in melee besides magnus and some vehicles i think the demon prince uh with the sword hellforge sword is yeah. the only other thing is that the only one uh arm and yep. his staff his black staff yeah uh black staff those are it yeah. man that's unfortunate <laughs> so just one three damage weapon that's all i want why don't the terminators have a three damage weapon that doesn't make sense to me <laughs> Yeah, the the Sears Bane is not too bad. Um, the problem is again, it's D three damage. So at that point, it's like, you know, and it's only you only get the extra strength yeah, and yeah. bonuses against Psyker units, which you know is not a ton, but mm-hmm. could could be fun. Yeah, the D three damage. It's still it's D three. I'm surprised that D three even stayed in this codex. Um, okay, so let's talk about these disciplines because there's a lot. There's there's so many disciplines here. There's so many psychic powers here. Um, and they're all really, really good. There, there's some really good ones. There's some that are pretty bad um, in the sense of, like, th- there's no point in trying to cast it when you can get off other buffs. Um, we don't we don't really have to go over every single one, but maybe come out. We could talk about, like, some combos or what you're probably going to be casting a lot of. Uh, yeah, so we could do – we could start off with that. Jim, do you, uh, do you know any psychic powers here that – you really want to talk about and also stuff included with uh, uh, with their cults. Yeah, so I think um, like I think a good a combo you're going to see often is the combination of temporal surge, which is the movement, mm-hmm. with uh, perplex. Mm-hmm. So the perplex essentially allows you to pick a unit within 24 inches, and then it can't shoot anything more than 24 inches away. Yeah. So where this is helpful is you throw up a exalted sorcerer, you cast your perplex, and then you fly him back, mm-hmm. so that you know, you're kind of in with that 24 inch range and then you fly him out of that range. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is a really strong little combo. Um, I'm really sad to see the nerf to Doombolt, to be honest. I, I, I really love the half moving no advance. Yeah. Um, but now it's just, and then uh, go ahead. But now it's just like flat three mortal wounds. 
Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and then the only other one that, like, you know, I'm glad that we kept some, like, I was really worried we'd lose things like Death Hex. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we kept in Twist of Fate. Yep. Um, and then the six inches to rapid fire and heavy weapon spell and pure guidance, I think, is really underrated because oh, yeah. that, that also works on vehicles as well. So being able to say, for instance, have your um, ectoplasm cannons shoot 42 inches uh, or have, you know, potentially shoot, um, you know, like your bolters 30 inches, I think mm-hmm. is actually really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, combined with things like perplex, where if you're at the 30 inch range and they can't shoot past 24, right? It forces them to move and come into your kind of kill zone of like 18 to 24 inches. So yeah. I think those those kinds of, those abilities where you can kind of force your opponent forward, uh, I think is a big, is going to be very important in how the Thousand Sons Army plays. Yeah, because you're going to be playing mostly for the mid-board. And then, exactly. Yeah, and so the closer that they are to the mid-board, obviously the better that you're going to do. And so it's mostly like more of a castling type of army almost where you kind of just stay mid and then wait for them to come to you. Uh, which is good. Uh, Weaver of Fates got changed no longer, plus one to your invuln. Now it's just a four-up invuln, uh, which I'm I'm okay with. It's fine. Uh, Doombolt with a Cabal, you can cast it twice uh, with two different models, which is pretty good. So that's six mortal wounds that you're looking at just right off the bat off of just doing Doombolt. Right. It one. is closest enemy unit now, though, unfortunately. So no more. It's not. Uh, we lost... One of our Doombolt was previously one of our targeted smites yeah. where you could pick up characters. So losing yeah. that targeted ability is sucks as well. But yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, For, it's mean, now six plus, which is basically a five plus, which is really cool. Yeah, and then also like if it's if it didn't have the closest enemy, it it'd be pretty strong to just deal six mortal wounds just like right off the bat to a character, just like to any character that you choose. Um, especially since you can increase your, your psychic range by like six inches uh, with a cabal. So. You know, just a 24-inch Doombolt. Just... Doombolt. <laughs> um, yeah, what about you, Jompy? Are there any psychic powers that you really enjoy? Uh, I like Swole by the Warp. Uh, I like the description of it. It's just mm-hmm. like that warrior's form expands with iron-hard muscle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a pretty neat thing to put on, like, a Demon Bridge or something. Just give it that extra attack. Mm-hmm. Smash some more things up. Make them buff. Yeah, and... Yeah. Gives it plus two strength too. Yeah. So what? A, a demon prince is T seven. Yeah. Uh, or strength, no, strength yeah. seven. Strength seven. So it'd be hitting. I mean, he he's already gonna be over strength eight anyways because yeah. of uh, his weapon. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just out. the plus one attack. Yeah. Plus one yeah, attack. Plus yeah. one attack's pretty good. Um, uh, uh, temporal manipulation. It's okay. I mean, like if you want to heal something, you can heal something if you need to. Uh, most of most of the stuff that you're healing. Uh, has it access to heal themselves anyways. Um, and then you can't heal vehicles, which kind of sucks. Uh, but again, if you're taking Magnus, you can heal him, You can heal him, I guess, uh, which is fine. Uh, Desecration of Worlds is a cool concept, especially against something like a Horde army. Um, that's pretty interesting. Just because if you, if you have like 20 models and then you just, whenever they move, just... <laughs> <laughs> on a six it deals a mortal wound which a is six funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's pretty funny um but yeah that, that that's that's all that i wanted to talk about uh are there any other ones that you want to talk about here jim uh not really yeah i think uh, desecration of worlds and psychic sock are kind of the two stinkers to me mm-hmm. um baleful devolution uh i think it's like a good spell on paper um so this allows you to you know if you're playing say an army with lots of six-man blocks or yeah. units with six or more, like, uh, I don't know, 
like Terminator blocks. I think this could be useful. It's it's kind of like a better version of Zeta's Firestorm in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it's a lot more situational. Um, and like you could potentially roll like you know you could juice this up with pluses to cast and get like a you know thirteen fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in that case, you're still only doing like two to three mortals. So at that point, are you better off just like casting a doom bolt and a you know smite? Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like it, it's it feels good on paper, but if it spikes, it can be really gross. You know, like I roll four sixes and it's all sudden forty three mortal wounds. Yeah, but maybe throw an additional d three in there with the cabal point. It's, just... it's like okay, that's really gross, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, we we didn't even talk about presage presage, which is just the plus one to your hit roll. Uh, yeah, that's also pretty good. Works on it, it's any thousand suns unit so you can put it on your vehicles you can put it on uh your termies just literally anything oh plus one yeah and it's just attack so it could be melee or uh shooting yeah so just get plus one attack pretty good (laughs) um when a lot of stuff hits on threes so you just get stuff that hits on twos cool all right now we can finally talk about these cabals (laughs) this is the meat yeah (laughs) this is the one that a lot of people are just going to be uh um, when they're making their list, trying to get probably as much as you want. I feel like that 16 is probably good enough, but you can get it up there to like 25, 26. It's really, really easy. Um, I f- the the ones that you're probably going to want to use all the time is the uh, Malevolent Charge. So then when you smite, it's just an extra D3. You pair that with uh, your with the Stratagem um, that uh, makes smite just a flat 3, and then you're doing 3 and then plus D3. Uh, D three plus three. Yeah, yeah. Way of so, that. <laughs> pre- pretty good. Um, you have plus two to your psychic test. You get plus one to your psychic test, and I feel like that. What's great about them is that you just do it after taking the test, so you don't have to do it before. You don't have to do it preemptively. So when you just decide that you know you want just an extra cast, or you weren't able to get the specific power that you wanted, you can pop that. And even though it's like nine cabal points, you usually have enough cabal points where you don't really care. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you, what, Jumpy? What do you think? Uh, let's see. I guess Echoes of the Warp for only four points to get like, CP. If you're not, if you don't have any other ways to generate CP, uh, I feel like mm-hmm. might be pretty decent. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, a plus one to cast, plus two to cast. That happens after the fact, so that yeah. you you know you don't have to commit uh, before. You can do it like uh, only when you need to do it. Uh, the, obviously, the one that a lot of people were uh, rant, uh, going off about was the one where you can't, your action or your psychic ability can't be denied. Yeah, uh, for eight points, uh, cabalistic focus. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's fine. I just don't know what psychic power is so pivotal where I don't want it to be denied. Besides, maybe a psychic test where I I want to get the points on the off of a like a secondary. That, I think that's the only problem is that all the other psychic powers that I have maybe Weaver of Fates and that and like. That's maybe it. What about you, Jim? Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. Can you just repeat that question? Uh, which cabals do you enjoy the most? They're, they're all great. Yeah. They all have a purpose. So, like, so for instance, uh, we were talking about being able to do psychic actions and other things. Mm-hmm. That's where I think Cab- uh, Echoes of the Warp comes in. So between yeah. uh, Echoes of the Warp and then the Loyal Thrall Legion Command yeah. allows you to sorcerer essentially to do that psychic action and cast a spell. Mm-hmm. So essentially, for four cabal points, you essentially get a free CP because it's a it's a warp charge three means basically with your plus one to cast. Yeah. Uh, I think even if you roll double ones, you'll still get it because I don't think double ones auto fail. So, no. um, so that's nice to be able to do that uh, and just kind of 
generate command points automatically. Um, obviously, I think Malevolent Charge will be using in every psychic phase, and especially mm. the fact that it's after you've inflicted the mortal wounds. Yeah. So say, for instance, you're trying to snipe out a character with Zeech's Firestorm or something else, mm -hmm. and you only do like two, three, you do three mortal wounds and you needed a fourth, well, you can drop this and do another D3. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Psychic Maelstrom and Cabalistic Focus, I think are both really strong. Being able to double cast a Witchfire, yep. so double Doom Bolt mm -hmm. or double uh, Zeech's Firestorm, which are really the only uh, or Gaze of Hate. Uh, but Cabalistic Focus and sorry, Pack from Beyond, I think those are the two... Uh, strongest high value ones. Yeah. And we were talking about kind of total cabal points. So most of the lists I've written have been between 15 to like 20. Mm -hmm. uh, I think anything more than 20 and you end up with not enough other stuff on the table. And I think your list is going to suffer. So I think, um, you know, having one kind of budgeting for like two, four to three to four point powers or two, three to five point cabals. Mm -hmm. And then one of the bigger ones per turn, I think is about what you want to aim for. Yes. And don't forget, as the game goes on, you're going to lose Cabal points. So, like, you're not going to have your full range of psychers and units on by turn, uh, yeah. like, at turn four. Yeah. So don't expect to have that full 17 points all through the game. Um, I would. This is where I think definitely having, uh, thank God, Icons of Flame actually did do something good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would definitely, if you're having Rubric Squads, definitely give everyone an Icon of Flame. Um, yeah, so so those are kind of the big ones. The Wrath of the Materium, I mean, if there's, like, a must-cast spell uh, that you have to get off, it's great, but I honestly wouldn't use it. It's unless it's like absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, or say like I need a. You can kind of combo this. This is where it's cool. Um, obviously, with Kabbalistic Focus, it can't be denied. But if you roll say like a nine on a psychic test mm -hmm. with Wrath of the Materium, you get plus three because you get a, a, a built-in plus one. So it also can't be denied. So mm -hmm. essentially, you have two ways to cast undeniable powers mm -hmm. and three ways with Cult of Time. So it's kind of it can get kind of nasty with. You just being able to dump all these powers and they can't stop them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Cabal's done. We are finally at the data sheets. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go with these data sheets. Let's just go through the stuff that we really like, um, and then uh, we could talk about like Zangors after, I guess, <laughs> like of how much um, we're a little bit sad with them. Um, also, we could talk about Magnus at the end <laughs> as well, um, but. Uh, as far as all these units go, what are you guys looking at as your must-takes? And what combos are you looking at um, to run with these different types of units? Uh, we can start off with Jim. Well, I, I think most improved is probably the Exalted Sorcerer. I think in previous uh, editions, like, Sorcerers were just better budget picks. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you didn't really need the reroll ones uh, for yep. a lot of stuff because you just didn't take rubrics. Mm -hmm. um, so Exalted Sorcerers, I think, are much improved, especially because... A lot of the buffs and abilities to actually like they they are essentially kind of like a do-it-yourself uh, character. You you can create a lot of various combos with them. So I think exalted sorcerers are great. Um, uh, Armin I think he's still good. 180 points is steep with a disc, but he is still a boss. Yeah. Um, yep. So I definitely think he has a place. I think ultimately you have to decide is if you have points available, two exalted sorcerers might be better, but. Mm -hmm. uh, if you sorry, if you have if if you want to spend CP and points, like like sorry, if you want to spend more CP, go with the Exalted because you can use CP to kit him out. Or if you want to save CP and start with more CP, go with Armin because he kind of he's kind of a budget Exalted. He's got a lot built in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we were just talking about characters, or do we just, oh, just want to go through everything? The whole, just the whole thing, like anything else that yeah. you really enjoy. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, you just like really quickly, Prince, right? Zangor's rest in peace, my friends. Going to Web School Four really sucks. Yep. Um, and then obviously, uh, Scarab Occult 
probably the, the most improved award goes to uh, with the damage to um, Kopesh's. Also, obviously, having Obsec now is really strong. I always have a soft spot for Spawn. Um, and then, obviously, all the Demon Engines really got improved, uh, mm-hmm. especially things like Forge Fiends and Mauler Fiends. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish... I really wish Defilers... Like, I have three of them for my Death Guard. I really wish the models weren't so, like, like uh, hard to move. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, like, like operate. Um, they're just, like... They're just so, like, encumbersome. But I think Forge Fiends and Mauler Fiends got really good. Um, and I think I expect to see a Forge Fiend in almost every list. It just provides some really strong long-range shooting. The Hades auto cannon going to AP2 instead of AP1, and then obviously AP3 with the stratagem makes it actually like a really, really efficient way to pick up raiders or um, horses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I feel like for me, um, I, I, I think that Armin is just really good. Uh, I, I really like him. Uh, Exalted Sorcerer is also really good for a budget. The Demon Prince, I feel like, has a place as well. Um, you really can't go wrong with a lot of these HQ units. Uh, the, the Demon Prince, just like you can make him a beat stick and just have him fly around the board and just whack stuff um, and just kind of like just cause pain to, uh, you know, your opponent. And then uh, Rubric Marines, I feel like that a lot of people like Rubric Marines. Uh, they're good. I mean, like they all get their five-up invulns and everything like that. And also they're fearless, which is a really big part of uh, Rubric Marines and Terminators yeah. just being straight up fearless is crazy to me um but still with them there a lot of these profiles in my opinion are kind of weird because a lot of it is one damage and there's not really a way to bump it up from one damage um so that's like my only problem like a soul reaper cannon i yeah you get five shots of it but it's still like strength six ap3 one damage yeah i think we were talking about this earlier like imagine a thousand suns mirror matchup they just would not be dying yeah because <laughs> they, they would always just, yeah always be saving on twos <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it, it's just silly to me um th- that's like my only problem with it and that's why i feel like that this codex you really have to layer stuff um just because just uh, terminators only having a two damage melee weapon i feel like is really silly um and then on top of that only like really just one damage weapons and i think that jim touched on this where you really kind of want to bring stuff like uh like a mauler fiend just because you get that extra umph to your damage output whereas everything else is kind of like mediocre i actually kind of like the defiler um because he is somewhat cheap um you can give him plus one to his hit roll right um because he's a thousand suns unit yep. uh which is which is pretty good um but it is a pretty big base. The defilers are huge. Like they, they, they yeah. it's really hard for them to fit through certain terrain setups. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think something we didn't mention yet was the rhinos. Uh, rhinos, you could take a Kami Melta, ninety points, uh, mm-hmm. five of invuln, uh, transport, or not even just transporting, um, just being all around the map, uh, mm-hmm. carrying around Rubik Marines with the Kami Melta, um, taking yeah. up space. I think that's gonna be pretty neat. Yeah. The the only problem that I have with the rhinos is that you have so much access to moving around the map especially if you're taking cult of duplicity yeah like yeah it has a warp charge of eight but you have ways to get around it so then it's not a big deal so to me it kind of makes rhinos meh it's more of like what what is it ablative wounds more than anything yeah um because even though it has a five up invuln it's still going to probably get nuked pretty easily uh yeah that, that, that that's pretty much it i can cry all i want about magnus though um <laughs> and, and 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 some and some zangors um 
<laughs> Jim, do you want to talk about uh, Zangors for a bit? Because I, I still feel like Zangors do have a place in the sense of like 70 point action monkeys, just like just kind of just holding a backfield objective and just being there. Um, but that's really the only use I see off of Zangors. Yeah, well, so I think one of the, so I, I think Zangors will play an important role because we don't really have like you don't want to be using rubrics to like screen out your army. So like yeah. you don't want to have them uh to a uh, speed bumps are screening out. So I personally think that like at least two ten man units of Zangors is probably like something that's gonna make it in every one of my lists. Just mm-hmm. to to be there to kind of take up board space to give me board presence. Mm-hmm. Remember most of your Rubik squads are gonna be five man. They're not gonna have a lot of uh like board presence mm-hmm. and so having things that kind of like you can throw in and just kind of gum up the middle mid board so that people can't access your army easily because if you just build a pure rubric army uh they're gonna be able to get into those rubrics really easily so the zangors provide that kind of like i guess meat shield for mm-hmm. your um for your uh rubrics obviously it protects against things like smites um can obviously jump on objectives and you know they're not amazing but for seven points uh t4 five plus invuln movement six seven with the, the brayhorn they're not bad um obviously like given that a cultist is like cultist will never see play if, if i if, yeah. I, if i'm playing <laughs> if i'm putting in chaff and Mermy, i would never take cultist because for two more points i get a strength and a toughness i get um i get a five plus invuln and i get an extra attack with mm-hmm. an ap right mm-hmm. and, and i get one more point of leadership so it's like in in no reality is a cultist like is that not worth the one the two points that's like easily worth two points for me mm-hmm. um so I just don't see a situation where I ever take cultists at this point, um, which sucks because I have 80,000 sons of cultists painted. Um, <laughs> but with that said, like, I do think Xanagors have a role, obviously with a shaman, uh, which I think you should also include just for those action monkeys and running around the board and causing trouble. Mm-hmm. They go down a three plus to hit. They can reroll hits. You can still give them plus one. To, uh, actually, unfortunately, you can't give them plus one to wound, which sucks yeah. um, because I believe Wrath is only our uh, kind of starters infantry. Um so you can't really give them a lot of buffs. You can plus mm-hmm. one to hit. So you can, they can go up to, plus, to uh, two. Uh, sorry, they can only go up to three. Uh, three plus to hit. Um, yeah. yeah. So like ultimately, I don't see them having a ton of like armies built around them. Um, but I think having them as just a kind of a like a four deploy kind of garbage unit is going to be important in Thousand Suns. Yeah. Um, and then the Enlightened is this like for me this is like a huge missed opportunity. Um, these guys were not great in Eighth Edition. And they could have really given the Thousand Sons a really fun, cool element with these, but instead they didn't really get improved. I mean, their their great bows lost a uh, lost an attack, but gained uh, sniper abilities, which again is cool, I guess. But they're just it's the the fact that they're one damage. You know, if they were assault two, uh, five minus one two damage, I think they would have been really strong. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 I just again thinking knowing that Zangor and Lightning and Zangor Foot are the two of the the very unique Thousand Suns data sheets that are almost like not going to even be part of the the, the army kind of mm-hmm. makes it feel like this whole army is just two unique units and then a bunch of Chaos Space Marine stuff uh, and Magnus. Like it's not, it just doesn't feel unique enough. And the Zangor was for me the way that they could have really like given the army an additional dynamic, mm-hmm. an additional kind of like variety, but instead they didn't get it. So here's hoping we get like a... Uh, I don't know, Warzone, a Zangor, yeah, so, uh, a like Sheridan. supplement or something like that, where we can run like a goat army. Um, what, what, but, only goats. But I won't hold my breath. One one of the best things about Zangors is that they're they're not great, right? So because they're not great, no one wants to shoot at them. Nobody cares about them, and so they're just great, like in terms of 
staying on a backfield objective or just screening out something or just holding up space, like you said. is there, They're just – they don't perform well enough to where you want to build an army around them and then people don't care about them enough to even want to shoot at them, right? And I think that that's the strength of it. And like that's kind of like which, – which is sad. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the state of it, uh, of, uh, of that unit. Yeah. Um, like a unit of 20 with Weaver and Glamour – Mm-hmm. Is actually quite tanky, right? That's 140 points. You get a four plus invuln and minus one to hit. Yeah. You throw that with a dark mana crystal onto someone turn one, like in the mid board. That's actually like got a lot of like staying power, right? Mm-hmm. It's just going to be in the middle of the board. They're going to have to deal with it. It's going to hold up maybe two objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not an easy thing to shift, right? So I think there is some play there is like using them as kind of like buffing them up with like Weaver and just throw and, and maybe Glamour. And they're kind of gunked up in the middle. Uh, maybe if you're playing Cult of Time or just, you know, warp timing them up because with uh, the the uh they can basically go 12 plus plus uh 12 plus d6 plus one uh with a warp time so yeah. that's actually enough to kind of get the mid board and onto objectives turn one and you know 20 wounds four plus plus minus one to hit that's a that's a decent like uh thing that people are gonna have to probably either dedicate a decent amount of firepower into or if they do come into melee then all of a sudden they're in your kill zone for the rest of your army so it's like mm-hmm. you know I, I think there's some play there but again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't probably put more than 140, 200 points of Zangors per list. Yeah. Like I, I'd, I'd kind of go minimal with them. Yeah, um, I feel like that. The last thing that we can do here uh, to talk about this uh, uh, is kind of just go over Magnus a little bit. Um, Magnus, my boy. Yeah, he probably got the biggest glow down out of this entire <laughs> decks. Uh, kind of just caught shafted a little bit. And I think that uh, even when you're running chaos. And, you know, like, usually Chaos will soup uh, stuff like Magnus into, uh, you know, like a Demon's List or uh, what, whatever you want to do in Chaos. But I feel like that even if you were to soup in Magnus, he just does not do what you would want him to do for his points cost. Uh, he seems pretty bad. Um, even with minus one damage, he's still technically uh, not as tanky as he was before with Weaver. Um, and then on top of that, you know, he can still, he can cast three psychic powers, which is cool, but you know, you're also taking away three warlord traits from your army that are also really good. That can be used on other, uh, characters that you're running and probably perform just as well and at a cheaper points cost. Uh, what do you guys think about this? (laughs) Yeah, I I have to agree. I have to say the the artwork, the Magnus artwork. I don't know if you guys can see this. Yeah. Uh, in the very front, like on his data sheet, mm-hmm. is probably one of the coolest pictures of Magnus. Like that, I saw that and I was like, man, that makes me so sad that like yeah. <laughs> I don't get to use it because it's just such a cool piece of artwork. But yeah, yeah. overall, I mean, T seven minus one damage and eighteen wounds that can be shot from anywhere on the board. Mm-hmm. That is that is essentially uh, killing two Contemptor Dreadnoughts, right? Like it's not. Yeah in a turn like it's not that can't hide like that's mm-hmm. essentially the same amount of damage damage absorption obviously one slightly better involved yeah if you think about what armies could pick up two contemptors uh with four pluses a lot can do that mm-hmm. um so i think he's gonna die almost every game turn one or turn two mm-hmm. uh the loss of warp time also means you can't null deploy him anymore so yep. some of the some of the defensive strategies you could use before is like put him on the very back board edge maybe outrange a lot of the opponent's stuff and then launch him up to 32 inches and do all his damage from 24 because he's got yeah. that 24 inch range. Yeah. Now he's only got an 18 inch range, plus he can't warp time. So now all of a sudden his threat range went from uh, like a 54 inch threat range to, mm. or 56 inch threat range 
to basically like a th it almost halved his threat range, right? So now it's like eighteen plus uh sixteen, uh, eighteen plus sixteen, so Wait, thirty four inches. Does he have um, eighteen so inch movement? I thought he only has sixteen. No, he moves 16. sixteen, but he can cast it up to eighteen. Whereas before he could move thirty two and cast twenty four. Oh, oh, okay, that's what you're saying. So it's okay, just yeah, like yeah. his, his yeah, spell yeah. range, his spell ability to like impact the game is is, is just greatly reduced. Mm -hmm. uh, and that thirty two inches on these small boards, like he basically is could get anywhere on the board, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so like he was able to play in a lot of scenarios and threaten turn one or into turn two. Now you're going to have to march him up at least two turns. Yeah. Um, you're taking if two you null deploy him or strategic reserve him, in which case, yeah, it can happen. But if your opponent's smart, they can definitely like, um, mm -hmm. like I honestly think if you play Magnus, you have to put him in strategic reserve against most armies. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And then that you're spending like what you get, uh, three CP, three, three CP, three CP. Yeah. You're, you're saving three CP for putting him in a Supreme command. And then you have to spend three CP to put him in reserves. <laughs> so it's just okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that that if you'd been T eight or just had a built in uh, like three plus plus or had warp time, like one of those three, he, he would uh, be better. I think could have yeah. just put him enough over the edge where yeah. he would have been playable. But just not having any of that stuff, it just makes him just really really hard to play with. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add at all, John P? I don't understand why these Primarchs have a three-up save. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's all I had to add. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the only sad part about him. Um, it just sucks. But in general, I think that we can all agree that this Codex is actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, definitely. Where would you, I guess, uh, in order to end off this, because we've been, we've been talking for a pretty long time, where would you rate this Codex at, John P? Uh... Definitely below Jakari Admech, uh, probably below Sisters. Uh, I would say between Sisters and Space Marines. Okay, all right. Somewhere, somewhere in their area. Looking at like an A tier. Yeah, 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 definitely A tier. Okay, what about you, Jim? Yeah, I would, I would put them up there. I think actually into something like Space Marines and Sisters. So I think into Space Marines, they're just going to destroy Space Marines. I think the mm -hmm. amount yeah. of mortal wounds uh against like a low model count space marine army is just gonna be devastating um and they also have I that think, secondary that like completely destroys space marines that bring a librarian nowadays yeah <laughs> yeah and like uh i think against armies with zero psychic defense necrons like uh tau uh obviously tau, tau, tau necrons are bad yeah. but even against like drukari and admech i think they have some play if you if you're smart mm -hmm. um the you know all is dust uh um uh, all you know all those admech under down one for the most part um, you have enough damage shooting to potentially do to put out chickens. Um, you can get, you know, there's just enough tricks there. I think against Jukari, they actually might have play. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to actually get them against some tier A armies. But yeah, I would say that they're they're like A tier, not S tier for sure. Uh, yeah. That's kind of belongs. And then sisters, sisters is interesting. Um, I I'm not sure which um, which of the orders is the one that gives the five plus deny. Um, I think sisters, the problem with sisters is like if they roll some sixes on that stupid deny, uh, like just get lucky on it, it could basically lose you the game, mm -hmm. uh, even with your auto casts, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously, you have a four plus, four plus, uh, like cancel spell as well. Or if you run into the, the faction that has the five plus deny, I think it's just like your basically game is finished. At that yeah. Point. yeah. Yeah. It, it just really depends on what type of sisters you're going up against. Wh which is why I think it's important that like, I actually think you need to run a more balanced list with Thousand Suns. I think a lot of people, I've seen some lists where it's like Very 29,000 Cabal points and like yeah. 13 casts. 
And I'm like, you know what? Like, but they have like no no shooting. They have no close combat. They have mm-hmm. no other kinds of elements. Mm-hmm. And I think where why you need to run that kind of balanced force is because when you run into one of those lists with a little bit of psychic defense, if if and and here's the thing with psychic phases, a lot of people forget you're still rolling two d six, which means it can be very very streaky. Yeah, uh, you know, like even with yeah. plus I've one. had psychic phases, single psychic phases that have lost me entire games because mm-hmm. they've just gone so poorly with my thousand suns. So you just got to be ready to have that one bad psychic phase. And you can't rely, you can't have your whole army bank on one bad psychic phase, or a psychic blows up, and all of a sudden, you know, lots of stuff, lots of kind of chains from there. So. Yeah, yeah, perils, <laughs> perils. <laughs> all right, guys, that is going to be the episode for today. Pretty long, but like I said, we had a lot to go over, um, going over this entire codex. Uh, Jim, if you would like to plug yourself, uh, uh, where can people find you, um, and everything like that? Please do so now. Perfect. Yeah. So I stream uh, three or four times a week on Twitch at Duplicity Paint uh, and also on YouTube at uh, just search Duplicity Studio with Jim Vessel. Uh, I do some YouTube, some painting tutorials, uh, mostly competitive content and kind of variety content as well. Um, but yeah, give me a follow. That would be great. Heck yeah. So that'll be it for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us. I uh, hope that you guys had a great time. Uh, if you guys want to check out this conversation, We do it every single Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, where we talk about everything 40K related (laughs) as much as we can. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for listening to us, and goodbye, everybody. See you. Bye-bye.